If you have your Westover app, I invite you to open it now. If you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 2. We're in a series entitled, Wise Men Still Seek Him. Last week we talked about ask. This week there's a new word we're going to focus on in the account of the wise men, and that is the word seek. Last week we talked about asking. This week we're going to talk about seeking. Asking compliments God. The scriptures tell us that we need to ask of the Lord. Asking compliments God, but seeking activates God. If you want to activate God in your life, begin to seek Him. Just for a moment. Aren't you glad that we have GPS? Isn't that wonderful? And of all the technology, I like GPS. I like being able to put in an address and having a lady's voice just guide me right where I need to go and telling me where I need to turn. Isn't it better than the days we used to have the map? This is a map of San Antonio. Now, I know this is old school, young adult. This is old school, okay? But this is how we used to find a street. You'd have to unfurl this map, and this is a map of San Antonio. But in order to find it, you had to turn on the back in this white section in about number three font, okay? There's a street address, and you would find like H13, H13. Then you turn it around, and there's H, and you go down to 13, and you would have to go down to the section. And did you ever find out the street you were wanting to look for was right on the fold of the map where you wore a hoe in it? Did that ever happen to anyone beside me? Okay, and then if it is so small you can't find it, we can't find you. But if your street was built since this map was printed, we can't find you. Then if there's construction, there's no way to get rerouted. But then, you, you, then when you finally get it all located, it's not over. You've got to fold this thing. And you almost need to have a seminar to fold the map back up. To fold the map back up, okay? <laughs> yeah. Once you unfold the map, it seems like that map is going to stay unfolded. You know, we use language about road and travel concerning our lives. The road to life. Some of you are hoping to get on easy street. Some of you are saying, it's a rough road right now. I'm traveling. There's a lot of potholes. There's a, there's a lot of issues I'm dealing with. Some of you are having a simial moment. You're saying this is where the rubber meets the road. You're having, you're having this, this crucial moment in life. Some of you, your heart broke. Because last year somebody said, hit the road, Jack. I'm out of here. We use language of travel to talk about our lives. 
I want to look at the journey of the wise men. And I want to suggest in the journey of the wise men, God is saying something about our lives every day. In Matthew chapter 2, the account we're going to look at is verses 1 through 8. But I'm only going to read verse 1 and 2 and 7 and 8. I'll comment on verses 3 through 6 this morning. This is when the wise men, the magi, if you please, are en route to find the birthplace of the one called the King of the Jews. So join me in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. The Magi from Persia, we believe, journeyed across the desert. They came to the city of Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? It's the capital city. Where would you expect to find a king? They came to the capital city and they talked to King Herod. King Herod? King Herod was a puppet king. He was put there by Rome. This entire region is a Roman providence. And under the rule of Rome, the, the Romans would assign or allow a person to serve as a regional leader, a regional king, if you please, under the Caesar to gather taxation and to keep everyone in line to the rule of Rome. You would only have your place if you would keep insurrection down and allegiance to Rome, keep peace in the land. And Herod was charged with that. He had a prestigious and an affluent position. If anything was stirring, his, his, his position would be jeopardized, and he would, he would crush any insurrection. This is the Herod that will slay the children of Bethlehem. He was a ruthless man. He would kill three of his sons and two of his wives because they challenged him. He was suspicious of them. Nothing, nothing would go past his, his insecurity or threat or he would, he would eliminate it. Here are three wise men come and say, where's the one born king of the Jews? We saw his star. So Herod says, I'm going to find out where he is at. So he called together, the Bible tells us, verse 3 through 6, he calls the scribes together. He said, you search the ancient documents, the Old Testament. You look in the Old Testament and you tell us where this person, that's the Messiah, he used that phrase, the Messiah is to be born. Let me know. They searched the Old Testament. The book of Micah says he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Herod summons the wise men back. He said, go look in Bethlehem. And when you find him, when you search for him and find him, come let me know so I will know where he is at. What I want to point out about Herod is Herod heard the story of the wise men, searched the Old Testament, searched the documents, and he sent the wise men on the journey. You see, Herod believed, but he wasn't a believer. 
I know it sounds like an oxymoron. Stay with me. He believed, but he wasn't a believer. He searched through the scribes, the documents, found out where Jesus was to be born. He was interested in the information about Jesus, but not the invitation of Jesus. He was wanting to know the location of Jesus. He had no interest in the lordship of Jesus. He was wanting to know where Jesus was at. He wasn't interested in who Jesus was. He said, tell me where he's at. He believed. He sent the wise men. He searched the scripture. He searched the ancient scrolls. He was a bull. He, he believed, but he, he wasn't a believer. Herod was a lost soul. Herod's destiny was not heaven. You see, for, for you to have your destiny heaven, you've got to invite Jesus into your heart. You've got to know Christ as your Savior. There's no other alternative. You've got to know Jesus as Lord in order for your destination to be heaven, for you to be included, to be a part of God's family. His destination, he was a, he was a lost soul. Oh, I, I enjoy seeing people come to faith in Christ, and it always reminds me of the time I came to faith in Christ at 14, and I said, Jesus, come into my heart. Did I understand it? Oh, no, but I believed it, and I became a believer at that moment, and Jesus came into my heart. Herod believed, but he wasn't a believer. He was a lost soul in respect to his destination. But you know, you can also be a lost soul in respect to condition. There's one thing to be a lost soul in your destination, and many of us, our destination with Jesus is, is, is certain. We've made a decision for Christ. We've invited Jesus. We believe he is the Savior. Your destination is heaven. But some of us feel like a lost soul in respect to our condition. The condition of our soul feels lost. The condition of our soul. We don't have God's presence. We don't have God's joy. We don't have God's purpose. We don't have God's fulfillment. There's an ache inside of us. There's something missing inside of us. Oh, we, we know Christ. You're in church today. You believe the Bible. You're a believer, but you... You feel like a lost soul. The condition of your soul feels lost. When I was a teenager and lived at home, my older brother, he got a used car. It was a white Thunderbird, a T-Bird. It, it was pristine. It was a sweet car. Can I tell you? It was a sweet car. A white T-Bird. My brother was cool driving to high school with a white T-Bird. But living in the north, northern New Mexico, we get snow and ice, and the snow came and icy roads. My brother was going down the road, put on the brakes, and the car began to turn and twist and turn, and wham, it hit something, turned around, bam, in the back. Crushed both in the front and the end. He wasn't hurt, no damage there, but the car was totaled. It was a loss. I called my dad. My dad came out, saw the, saw the T-bird. It was crunched up, not worth repairing. Checked on my brother. He's all right. My dad told the record, don't take this car 
to the, re- to the junkyard. We're not sending this car to the junkyard. So my dad had the wrecker haul the car back to our house. And behind our house, we had a big open lot. And my dad put that white T-bird on blocks. Now, if it had gone to the junkyard, that T-bird would have been crushed and eventually would have been melted down. It would have become belt buckles and spark plug. It would have, would have repurposed and recycled the steel. But it wasn't lost in its destination. It wasn't lost in its destination. It didn't go to the junkyard to be crushed and melted down was not lost in its destination, but it was lost in its condition. Never again did that car drive down the road. Never again did my brother get behind the wheel and turn on the radio. Never again did my brother sit in and pick somebody up. It was in the backyard on blocks. It never made progress from that day forward. Its destination wasn't lost, but its condition was lost. And there's some of us, we're like that white T-bird. You're on blocks. You haven't lost your destination. You believe in Jesus, but you're on blocks. There's no progress. Your, Your soul is not expanding. You're not hearing the voice of God in your heart. The scripture doesn't speak to you with great words of inspiration. You're not sensing purpose. You're not sensing direction in your life. You're lost in respect to the condition of your soul. Hmm. Let's revisit the verses. Herod tells the wise men, go to Bethlehem. Verse 7 and 8. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out where, uh, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully. Notice that word. Go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so I may too may go and worship him. I want you to notice a word there in the text. Search. As I read the Bible from cover to cover, this Bible talks about searching for God. All through the Psalms, it talks about early will I seek you. My heart yearns for for you, God, as the deer pants after the water, but so pants yearns my soul for I will seek you, God, yet in the morning. Searching and seeking God out. It talks about God if you will seek him. He will be found of you if you search, if you seek for him with all of your heart. Jesus will amplify that and he'll say, ask and seek the Lord. He'll even say those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Paul will talk about it in Philippians. He said, one thing I do, I forget everything behind. I press, I seek forward to the things that are ahead. All through this Bible, I read scriptures and admonishment about seeking, yearning, longing for God. But what is interesting, the word in verse number 8 is not any of those words. 
You see, the New Testament is written in Greek, translated in English. This word in the Greek language, translated in verse number 8 as search, is not any of those verses, excuse me, any of those words. In fact, it's a word, a Greek word, that's only used three times in the entire Bible. Of all the verses and admonishment about seeking God, this word, search, secretly go search for him, is only used three times in the entire Bible. Because it's a different level of seeking, searching. It's not a searching of the soul. It's not a longing. It's not a passion. It's not a, it's not a heartfelt investigation. It means to simply go check into it. Check into it. The nomenclature of our day would be to Google it. <laughs> yeah, just Google it. You just look and you just just see if it's true. Just see if it's there. See if the location, see what the out. Just Google the location. It's the idea you just check into it. It has nothing about searching out. Herod wasn't looking to find, find out who Jesus was. He said, only tell me where he is. That's all I'm interested in about Jesus. Here recently, I had to go to Seguin for a meeting. 30 miles east of San Antonio. I told you I appreciate GPS. Put in GPS, loaded in, and it begins to talk to me what exit to take. I go all the way <coughs> over to Seguin. And then all of a sudden, here's what the voice tells me. You have arrived. There's nothing there. There's not, there's not a building anywhere. There's, there's not a building. It's not a building. Oh, it must be that or a, There is nothing. And it says, I have arrived. I double check. Sure enough, I put in the right address. But it says, I have arrived. But there is no building there. I said, I've got to find it. I've got to meet. I've got to be there. I've got to attend to this. So I drive about a quarter of a mile down this county road, and there's nothing there. And it's county road. They don't have street signs or numbers, but there's not even any building. I come back. It's not there. Well, I'll try this one. Go down about a quarter mile, half mile, nothing. I turn around, and I, I'm going every direction, and I can't find it. And then finally, finally, I see a building over there. kind of looks like a government building. It's not the location I'm going to, but maybe somebody can help me. It looked like a library or a clinic or something. So I drove over to that building, and it's the Seguin Justice Center. Okay, surely somebody will help me. I parked the car. I walked to the door. I opened the door. As soon as I stepped in, I could see a counter, and there was somebody behind the counter there at the Seguin Justice Center. I'm going to ask them, do you know where this location is? I walk up to the counter before I even ask them. And as I approach the counter, the person just says to me, if you're here to plead guilty, sign in first. <laughs> I said, I'm not, but I need to go get Denise. I'm going to tell you. Her name needs to be on this list. And I'll be a witness to it. I I'll be one of the witnesses. Her name needs to be here, not my name. 
I said, do you know where this at? They were able to give me directions, and I found it. Here's what I'm saying. There's a difference between checking into it and searching. Searching. Looking, investigating, saying, I, I, will, I will not stop. I, my soul will not be satisfied until I find where I'm to be. Yes. Young adults, for just a moment, let me insert parenthetically. There is a philosophy. I, I hate to call it a doctrine. A philosophy that ever so often makes its resurgence and it's very popular today. It's called universalism. You may not be familiar with the name universalism. You will be when I describe universalism to you. Universalism espouses this. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. Hinduism, uh, Islam, Christianity, nothing, New Age. It It doesn't matter what you believe just as long As you're sincere and you're spiritual, God understands. And universalism espouses all roads lead to God. That philosophy is belched from the bowels of hell. The Bible does not teach all roads lead to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved, and it's the name of Jesus. It does matter what we believe. It does matter that we embrace and follow Jesus. You have to be on the right road. It does matter. Some of us are on a a journey, a road to God. I'm going to unpack that for a moment. Time won't allow me to elaborate much, but allow me. I want to talk to you about the the spectator, the skeptic, the seeker, the believer, and just briefly I'll mention the disciple, spiritual growth. Journey to God, seeking God. The first is the spectator. Spectators have intellectual barriers. There are spectators in this room. You're on a journey to God. And your, your, your barrier is an intellectual barrier. You're analytical. You've got to figure things out. If it doesn't make sense, then you can't make that stay. You, you say, why do I have to believe that? Why does it say this? And why? You're very much, you need the information level. Okay, nothing wrong with that. That's how God made you. That's fine. God's up to the challenge. Let me just say, you're a spectator. God's up to the challenge. Particularly in this category, you'll find men. Men are very uncomfortable just taking a step based upon feeling. They've got to know what. They want to check it out. They want to see a demonstration of it. We, we men, we want to know for certain. We, we have the philosophy, seeing is believing. Uh, this is the unique and in Acts chapter 8, he's reading the scripture, says, I can't believe I can't get there because I can't figure this out. I need someone to explain it to me. He, he faced an intellectual barrier. This is Thomas. We see traits of this in his life even after the resurrection. He said, I won't believe in the resurrection of Jesus until I see it with my own eyes. Yeah. 
intellectual barriers. Often we men and others, of course, they have intellectual barriers. In order to come to a place of faith and a place of surrender to Jesus, they got to understand it. They need it explained. Nothing wrong with that. Because Jesus himself said in Mark 12 and 30, love the Lord with all of your mind. That's all right. God's up to the question. All the spectators, God's up to the question. God's not afraid of the examination. God's not afraid of you looking and figuring it out. God is up to the test. God can stand the test. God can be there. Let me just say this when it comes to empirical evidence. If we were in a court of law and they were to bring hundreds of witnesses and hundreds of witnesses testified to the same fact, testified to the same experience, it would be unequivocally determined in a court of law it is factual and truthful. If you, could, if you had a witness list as, as far as a hundred different witnesses, can I tell you that today we can bring living on planet Earth today, including you, there are 2.8 billion people that will testify Jesus is Lord and Savior and he's changed their heart and have changed their life. If any court case had 2.8 billion witnesses, it would be absolutely irrefutable. We enjoy that with our faith in Jesus. As a side note, in literature, ancient documents, there's a test by which they examine ancient documents to see if the ancient documents are, are truthful, verifiable. They have veracity. You can rely upon them. One such document that has, has a plethora of other documents to support that is Homer's Iliad. Do you know Homer's Iliad, the Greek poems, have 630 plus documents that substantiated in the area of academia. 630 is absolutely irrefutable. 630 outside documents that verify the veracity of Homer's Iliad. Homer's Iliad is irrefutable as being legitimate and verifiable. Do you know the New Testament? Our New Testament has outside of Scripture over 24,000 other documents that verify the truthfulness, the accuracy, the veracity of the New Testament more than any other document in all of literature. The New Testament is, is stands in a category of, of its own in ancient documents as reliable. Can I tell you, God's up to the test. God can stand the test of the intellectual barrier. The next is the skeptic. The skeptic has emotional barriers. Skeptics have emotional barriers. It's not the intellect. They don't have to figure it out. They say, I'm not sure if I can. I just don't know if I feel like it's for me. I don't know if I can. I just don't know if I can quite get there. I'm, just, I'm torn. That's, a, that's, that's the skeptic. I'm torn between. I feel this and I, I feel that. 
let me just point out, emotions will always inflate every, everything. Emotions will inflate the requirements of God. I, I can't do that. It's too hard. Christianity is a straitjacket. I, I can't live for God. I can't do that. That's the emotional barrier the skeptics face because it seems so ominous. This was Nicodemus in the New Testament. John chapter 3. He's having a conversation with Jesus. He said, I, I, I get it. I, 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 can, I can read the prophecies I understand intellectually I get it. I just, my, I can't wrap my soul and my heart around this. And Jesus begins to have a conversation with him, said, you've got to be born again. I don't get it. I don't see it. I just don't feel like I can. It doesn't make sense. It just, I can't wrap my heart around it. And out of that came John three sixteen, that whoever, whoever calls upon him, God so loved the world, Jesus reached out to Nicodemus, not on an intellectual level. He spoke to him on a heart level. Yes, Jesus said to love him with all of our heart, and I just want to say to any of the skeptics in the room, you say, I just, I don't know how I can do it. I don't know how I'll be able to do it. I don't know how I can get myself. I don't know how I would be able to pull that off. And all of your pushback to God God's pull is stronger than your pushback. He can help you. Then there is the seeker, and I'm going to put the seeker and the believer together for sake of time. The seeker and the believer, they have willingness barriers. Yeah, and when you come to faith in Jesus, when you're at that moment, you're going to surrender your life to the Lord. You say, am I willing to do that? Am I really willing to give my heart to Christ? Am I willing to take that step? Am I willing to believe that? Am I willing to embrace that? Am I, am I willing to move that direction? Am I willing to, to do that? Am I willing to take that and just go out wholeheartedly and trust him with all my heart, mind, and soul? That's Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. Yeah. It was a willingness barrier. And many of us, that's where, why our soul is lost, not in its destination, but its condition. That's why we're on blocks. That's why we're not going anywhere. Because there was something God said, I want you to do. And you said, not willing. And anytime you say to God, you're not willing, you go on blocks. There's no progress. Our life does not advance. And then last, and let me wrap up. There is the disciple, discipleship. I'll call it spiritual growth. They encounter social barriers. You mean I got to grow in God? I got to join a life group? To grow in God, I, I got to restructure, restructure my life? To grow in God, I, I, I've got to do, I, I've I got to be around people that pray? To grow in God, you want me to gather around and and, and get on a Facebook group and pray with people and i got to change my, my social struct. Yes, it's a social barrier. Where's your pathway to God? What's God prompting? How, how are you seeking God out? What is God saying to you? 
What is God whispering in your heart? How is your faith journey going? What you'll discover, you've been seeking for him. He's been searching for you. It's the story you hear on the news once or twice a year. Hikers, somebody camping. They lost their way, got turned around in the forest. Two, three days among the elements. And they're walking this direction and walking that, climbing this mountain, going down this valley. They're trying to search. They're trying to seek somebody to help them. They're lost. And when they're discovered, guess what they realize? The person they sought out was in a search party looking for them. And that's what you discover with God. You're searching for him. He's been searching for you. You see, Jesus' birth is God's search party. When we couldn't understand the invisible God, God said that I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to send Jesus on a search mission. So he'll speak, he'll act, he'll live, and he'll know that's what God is like. He was searching for you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to faith in Christ today. So across the auditorium, no one leaving. Please respect the altar moment. No one leaving. Bow your heads and we're going to go into a moment of prayer. Balcony and main floor. Are you a spectator? A skeptic? A seeker? God's up to it. He's been looking for you. For some of us, it's an intellectual barrier. But some of us, it's an emotional barrier. Perhaps it's a willingness, but you've never been willing to make a profession of your faith in Jesus. I'm going to give you that opportunity today. If you'd like to know Christ, if you want to come to him, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. And your hand going up is simply saying, I'm going all the way with God today. I want to be, I want to be a Christ follower. That's you. That's you. He's been looking for you and all your searching. And now you've found him. So here it is. One, two, three. I need to know Christ. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Somebody else. Yes. I just been, been, I feel lost. I just feel lost. Feel aimless. Another word for lost is empty. I just feel empty. But I, I want to make things right with God today. Yes, sir. God bless you. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This is the moment. This is the, this is the moment where faith is activated. You raised your hand. I'm going to invite you to step forward and let us pray with you. This is your faith moment. This is your moment when you're going to 
you're willing to go all the way with God. If that's you, you raise your hand, you come forward, and a prayer team person is going to pray with you right now. You come in the balcony. I have prayer team persons in the balcony, in the aisle. They'll pray with you right there. Yes, sir. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. Somebody will pray with you. Somebody else. You raise your hand. You come forward. This is your faith in Jesus moment. (laughs) This is your moment of what Jesus said, being born again. We call it making new. You're making new moment in God. You come. We'll pray with you. Somebody ready to pray with you. You didn't raise your hand, but you know you should have. I know it's like to sit there and think, oh my goodness, do I really have to? The question is, are you willing to? Seekers face a willingness barrier. Are you willing to take that next step? Are you willing to really say, today I will follow Jesus? If that's you, you come. Somebody's going to pray with you right now. Somebody's going to pray with you right now. Somebody's going to pray with you. Yeah. Father, not only do I thank you for those who've come forward to make a, a commitment to Jesus, but I pray in this room, I sense their believers. Their destiny is not one of loss, but their condition is one of loss. They're on blocks. There's no progress. There's no growth. They're ending this year the same place they were last year in their faith journey. It seems like they've hit this moment in which that's as far as they've got. No doubt, Holy Spirit, there's an area in their life you're prompting and sometimes it's just hard for us to hear from you. Sometimes it's hard for us to realize those whispers in the heart or from the Holy Spirit. It's God summonsing us to be willing to take another step. For some, it's a social barrier. They have just never been willing to be a part of a community of faith and grow. And because of that, God, they, they're on blocks. They're just not, they're not moving forward. They're just logging time. I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray, God, return passion. God, awaken faith in them. I pray for our men. God, how easy it is for men to just get to that comfortable place where we have just, we get accustomed and we think this is all that we have to do. But God, there's so much more. I call men to be willing to be bold, willing to grow, willing to take that next step, willing, God, to stretch their faith, to go to a new level in God. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, encourage and inspire them to press on to God's best, to seek God's best in their life. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.